right, everyone, welcome to the MMOs.com podcast. Episode 201 here, Breaking the Barrier. Altai, joined this week by... Remo. All right, you're back. Another week. What have you been playing, Altai? Anything spicy this last week? Well, last for weeks? the past two weeks, we've both been playing Remnant from the Ashes. Um, uh, actually, it's Remnant of the Ashes, isn't it? Really? I, don't, I actually don't even know what it's called. Anyway, Remnant is the first part before the double dots. That's all that matters. No, you're right. It is from the Ashes. You are right. wrong. I yield. But it's a great game. It's published by Perfect World, so we kind of, you know, snuck in there. But uh, it's a great game. I, I highly, if you're looking, it's a good co-op experience. So if you if you got someone to play with, I highly recommend it. It's one of the few games that I could recommend right now. So go play it. Interesting, I'll tell you. I, I I like the game, but I don't know if I can recommend it for forty dollars. Okay, it's a forty dollar game, and we beat the game in twelve hours. Yes, that's true. It is true. That's the biggest problem. I mean, like people very often complain like. I hear people complain. They play like a 70-hour RPG. Like, I paid $60 for 70 hours of fun. Fuck that. But like, I, I don't really get that. If, if you get like a dollar an hour of enjoyment or like anything you know more than that, anything better than that, that's a good deal. All right? But for Remnant of the Ashes, it's a $40 game and you're getting t- about 12 hours to beat the game. And if you want to beat the game complete with all the content, explore every possible nook and cranny, all the side bosses, everything, that's about 20 hours. It's just not enough stuff to do in the game. And that's... I, mean, it, I don't think the game is in early access either. I mean, it's actually listed as um, yeah, there's no early access button on the Steam page. I'm not seeing one right now, and there are a lot of glitches. So, so there are problems with the game. It's a really fun game. We got it for free because we got that Perfect World Connect. You know, we got that connection with Perfect World, uh, and I, I just thought for the forty bucks, it's probably not worth it. But if the price comes down, they add a lot more stuff. Then it's uh, it's it's a it's a really fun game. It's a co-op shooter. That's a fair point. Maybe if I pay for it, I feel differently. But yeah. yes, all right. So it's wait good. on it. Put on that wish list. I'm, I'm, when you open a game, when you start a game, it gives you a list of which campaign you want to play. Right now, there's only one, but because mm-hmm. of the way it's structured, I suspect they're planning to add multiple new campaigns. So maybe mm-hmm. wait for a sale, maybe wait for an, another campaign. Wait for it to end up in the Humble Bundle for five. We all know every buy-to-play game takes a road to the Humble Bundle eventually. All right, How long till it gets there? Every, no matter what game, you could be in the Humble Bundle one day. All right. Yeah, but anyway, it's, it's a great concept. Basically, like uh, mm-hmm. a co-op. But the fact that it's co-op is, is a big Yes, plus. the co-op is awesome. More, we got to bring co-op back, guys. We got to bring co-op back to the forefront, all right? Yeah, there just really aren't that many games you can play co-op. I mean, I guess that's one thing I kind of like about MRPGs, too. You could play them co-op. It's a game you can always play with friends, you know, at least a game like Guild Wars 2, you know, with the with the dynamic leveling system. Or even that World of Warcraft now with the with the party system changes they made where you can play with your friends. It, I don't know. It just, there aren't that many games you can play with your friends. That's not like a competitive game like CS:GO or League of Legends. You know, if if you want to play CS:GO with your friends, and if you're much better than them, it's just, just going to be a very awkward time for both of you. You know, MMO is going to be kind of wonky. But remember, yeah, this is a really fun co-op game you can play. You know, whenever. Uh, no, that's a good point. So traditionally, MMOs were a game you could play with people, but something happened like for the past five, six years, where almost any MMO you launch today. You actually don't play with anyone for the first like 50 hours. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of you can kind of relate to this. You, the whole, the entire leveling experience is only slowed down if you try to actually accommodate co op play. Mm-hmm. You got to like wait for their quest. You got to, they got to get to the same place if you start in different places. And there's no real benefit to working together co op. Uh, mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is everyone kind of does their own thing. Because if, if you get separated by quests by like a few like hubs, yeah. you're never going to play again until you reach max level. So mm-hmm. I disagree with you. I think. MMO should be about co-op play, right, all the way through. But in reality, uh, today that's rarely the case. So, which is really oh, sad. Fortunately, I mean, in a lot of MMOs, when you get the late game, when you're playing, when you're all max level, you can do content together. Then they become good co-op experiences when you get to the end game. I yeah, but that's, that requires fifty hours at least. 
It's a joke. Yeah, sure. But what's your daily game? There's always a dailies you can do, and, and you can raid together, dungeons together. But I agree with you. It, it is very weird that games have become so not cooperative. Now, I still remember playing EverQuest years ago, where like that game was designed basically after the first like 10, 15 levels. Once you level 30, 40, you really can't solo. Like if you if you're playing solo, you're actually punishing yourself so much. I mean, you really did need a healer, you needed a tank, you needed a DPS, you had the Holy Trinity, and it, and it was required outside of uh, you know just dungeons just to level up. I feel like nowadays you still have the Holy Trinity, like you know in terms of you know DPS, healer, tank, but you only need that for like high end raids and for leveling. You can basically do it solo with any class. You can like you can just literally solo as a healer, which is you can you never could do in, in EverQuest. You're playing a cleric, you know, you basically have a lot of heal magic, and your offense magic sucks. You you, you weren't made to play by yourself, or even Dark Age of Camelot, like you just really couldn't solo by yourself depending on what class you were. It was never efficient to solo by yourself. You you kind of could if you went to like kite monsters and do it really slowly, but you really got rewarded for party play, which is kind of the opposite of what happens today, where you're, you're actually punished for party play. If it was neutral, it'd be okay too, but you're actually punished for playing you know, with other people essentially because you all level slower. And I, I recall in Dark Age of Camelot, despite being a PvP-centric game, the PvE actually rewarded you for co-op uh, co play. Like you, you get bonus experience, and it was considerable. Mm -hmm. And also, I remember in those games, maybe this was just back, bad gameplay back then, or bad. The, maybe players were just bad back then, but I recall groups being much wider in level range back then. It mm -hmm. didn't matter if the healer was like like eight or levels below you. It just didn't matter, you know? I think for ADM RPG, you usually the healer is usually allowed to be underleveled because they're just spamming heals out of combat anyway. I, well, yeah. So I think it works for healers, but not so much for other classes. You never want your tank to be mega underleveled, all right? You can have a couple lower level DPS and won't be a problem, but you got to keep the, the tank at least sure, on par. But, but if you, just think about the level range in a, in a party in EverQuest or Dayoff versus something today. Now, I do think it was higher back then, but again, was it just bad game? Was it just bad planning on the part of the players? Or, or did the game just get more strict with that? I don't know. I think the ideal MRPG of any good, well-designed modern MRPG should reward party play. And I think there should also still be room for solo play, but it should it should be at a small detriment at least. Like optimal solo play should be at a small detriment to group play. Because it is it's just weird that you know you're encouraged to do everything solo nowadays. And KitKat says, you know, leveling is my favorite part of MMOs. And honestly, I really enjoyed leveling in a lot of games I've played. You know, people always say, Oh, the game gets fun at the end game. For a lot of games, yes, I, I agree with that. But like for games like MapleStory, I just have so much fun. I, I've had a lot of fun leveling. Even Black Days Online, I, I, leveling was fun, you know? But for Final Fantasy XIV, I do agree with that sentiment. That, you know, I, I don't think leveling was my favorite part about Final Fantasy XIV at all. You know, that that's when the game was really boring, in my opinion. It got really fun late game. But for the most part, I do enjoy leveling in most MMORPGs. Yeah. Fuck soloing, it's an MMO. There you go. That, that, that's that's a fair sentiment as well, Chaos Shield. Yeah, I mean, you should never really, you shouldn't make it impossible to solo. Like, even those older games we talk about, there were certain classes that could solo, but they were just a little more deliberate. You got to be a little slower. Mm -hmm. um, but people respond to incentives, so you should make it, in, you know, you should incentivize group, group play rather than try to punish uh, you know, punish it. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still surprised with how games have evolved. I mean, we, we, we've seen the way loop, how effective loot boxes are in monetizing games, uh, both on mobile and PC and RPGs. And I think the reason behind that is people like the gambling element, right? They, they like to have a small chance to win a big prize, a small chance to win something very valuable. And it's weird how older MRPGs had, like, enemies that you kill with very low drop rates. Again, an EverQuest, an enemy that spawns once a week might have a 5% drop rate for this orb worth, like, 10,000 platinum or something, right? And that was pretty common in a lot of old MRPGs. You just had really rare loot that you'd, like, farm forever to get. And they took that model... And they realized that people kind of like look forward to gain, like having a roll at that 5% drop rate. And they moved it over to cash shop items. And there's really not too many rare drops in MRPGs nowadays. Now, I'm playing Final Fantasy XIV a lot. I mean, there are sometimes at the end of a dungeon, you can get like a 
five percent rare drop to get like a card or something, but n- n- nothing ever like crazy. Like nothing that has like a zero point oh one percent chance to drop, like the way Ragnarok Online did with cards. So it's I, I, I want to see more of that. More rare drops, guys. That's what we need. More rare drops. I mean, we have rare drops. They just moved it from in game to the cash shop. Is what seems to have happened. And, and speaking of that, Alpha, I actually want to look at um interesting data from a sensor tower. Okay, we're talking about Dragalia lost. So it kind of goes with the with the monetization I was talking a little bit earlier too. So Dragalia lost. Obviously, it's Nintendo's uh, gotcha game, right? They made about 160 million dollars uh, in its first year of operation, which is definitely not bad for a mobile game based on a brand new IP. And not quite as popular so far as uh, as Fire Emblem Heroes, but that's based on a more established IP. But what what I found remarkable about this about about this post, namely, is that the average revenue per download for Dragalia Lost averages thirty three dollars, which wow. is I find amazing. So if Nintendo sold Dragalia Lost on their mobile device, you go to the App Store, they see for twenty nine ninety nine. If they sold it for twenty nine ninety nine, and they and they had just as many downloads, they'd actually lose. They actually make less money. They make more money as a free to play game. Because they make $33 per download. That's not $33 per paying user. That's $33 per download, counting all the free users. They divide their total downloads by their revenue. And they got 33 bucks, which is insane. Because when you think of a free-to-play game, you know, you realize there's some whales, obviously. There's some guys that pay nothing. And it might average out like $10 or something. But they make less money at $29.99 than as a free-to-play game, which is insane. That's why so many games are free-to-play now. It's not necessarily that, like, it's to attract more players. It's so they can make more money as well. Free-to-play games make more money by being free-to-play, not just by having... It's crazy. People think they're sacrificing, like, you know, you can save money on a free-to-play game. In a way, you get through the door easier, but you don't save money. They actually cost more. I wonder what the revenue per paying user it would be because I... I don't know about you, but I downloaded uh, Tricolica Lost. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I, put, I paid nothing for it. And yeah. I didn't spend any money. So they lost... They did not earn 33 on me. So somebody else had to make up for that. So I wonder what the... Revenue per paying user would be. I mean, I'd have to guess over 100 at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it's ab- definitely because so many free players, free users haven't you know spent anything. But what's interesting is too, uh, if you look at, uh, if you look at, there's two business models at work here, right? You don't have to have the gotcha model, but gotcha model makes a lot of money, right? But if you look at uh, Animal Crossing uh, on this chart, if you scroll down, you can see they made about 111 million dollars uh, since uh, their launch, and they make only average revenue per download about three dollars and sixty cents. So Dragalia Lost makes about ten times the money per download, as uh, as fire as the new uh, as the Animal Crossing something Pocket Camp makes. So they have much more users, but they monetize much worse. So you can still make a lot of money, you know, without going crazy on monetization. But it shows you how how well Gotcha Games seem to monetize. Yeah, and it, and also shows you why. First, when Nintendo released uh, Super Mario Run, mm-hmm. they kind of experimented with the premium model where you buy it once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you can see by this chart here, that didn't really work. Uh, it seems that the free-to-play microtransaction just simply works better. So Super Mario Run didn't make as much money as these other games. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Mario World was apparently you know, the worst of them. I also have that downloaded. And you got to say, Nintendo's been, Nintendo was a little slow at the, at the start, but they really kind of embraced mobile, I feel. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this weekend, we played Mario Kart Tour, uh, the mobile Mario Kart, and it's, it's, not, it's not bad. I mean... It's not great, right? It's, it's on your phone. You can just go left or right. But I do recommend trying it. You don't have to, you can you can play for hours without spending any money. I like the Gotcha Brain uh, JPEG that Chaos linked. I'm not sure if it's actually going to load though, because it's just uh, it's a, it's not actually a link over there. But interestingly enough, I think we mentioned this before. But um, Psy Games, the developers behind um, uh, Dragalia Lost, actually said they're not happy 
with the way the game is being run. And they're, they're, the, they're the developer and they run the game, but they have to answer Nintendo because it's, you know, it's their game. They said Nintendo is not interested in making large amounts of revenue from single smartphone games. If we managed Dragalia Lost alone, we'd have made a lot more. So they're saying basically Nintendo is not interested in... Uh, they, they could make like twice as much money if, if side games ran the game themselves. Wow. They'd be, they'd be less generous, they lower drop rates, and they charge more. And they can make a lot more money off it. So it's it's Nintendo's taking a very weird approach. I mean, clearly more consumer friendly because they're giving you more. But at the end of the day, you're still buying, you know, gotchas for for money. All right, I want I want to show this picture now. It's pretty funny. Animegirl.png. <laughs> Let me take a look. I like it. It's on stream. I, I I've seen this before. Look. Here's the thing, though. I, I think we made this argument uh, quite a few times in the past before. I think if you're a well-adjusted person and you spend uh, you spend even fifty bucks a month or hundred dollars a month on your fake grand order uh, anime girl png addiction, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I, whether you buy like, you could buy like two sixty-dollar games a month for your consoles, or you spend hundred bucks on a mobile waifu gacha game. I don't see a problem with that. You know, as long as you can afford it. Well, I I I, I predict an interesting dynamic going forward in gaming, where. The cost yeah. of those retail games you're talking about, the $60 a month mm-hmm. for a, P- you know, a PlayStation game, that market is changing very rapidly. And there's a story I just read today. Maybe you guys have seen it. But I think it's going to have profound impacts for the next generation when PS5 comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here, let me find this. Da, 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 da. I don't know. If, okay, so basically, PlayStation Now, which is uh, Sony's streaming service, mm-hmm. is going to be $60 a year. So that's $5 a month or more. So think of the value you're getting for $5 a month, access to hundreds of games, streamed or downloaded. You can download them locally or stream them uh, on your PlayStation or your PC, right? Mm-hmm. Compared to spending $30 a month on a uh, gotchas for some bullshit game. So I don't think, I, I will, okay, today maybe you can be excused because games still cost $60. But next gen, when it's $5 a month to play 800 uh, PlayStation games, right? Versus, Got these gacha games. You will not have well-adjusted people. If you are well-adjusted, you will not be paying for these mobile gacha games. It just will not happen. There will be no overlap between well-adjusted and you know. Because because like you said, uh, I do think now that if 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 you can get five hundred plus Sony games on PS4 for five bucks a month, that is insane. And we've seen Apple kind of pivot that way as well with the Apple Arcade. I think it's like five bucks a month. You can access like so many X games, you know, for that for that one time monthly price. And even EA has their own monthly price as well. So if you can get like that many games for a low monthly cost, it does seem pretty interesting because it does seem like I mean that's obviously to get you access to the games. I think all these games will monetize with cash shops as well. I mean you can spend money on like cash shops on EA games even after buying the game. There's still a cash shop in those titles. But if if they monetize primarily through through their subscription, it does seem like a very good value for for customers. And it's very it makes it much harder to justify you know, spending five dollars, even like League of Legends, spending twenty dollars on, on a premium premium skin, right? Twenty bucks for a skin, or for five bucks a month, you get access to like all these PS4 games. It just seems like you get more value there. But I go back to my other argument. I think ultimately it's your money, and if you derive more value out of your anime waifu PNGs, I, I don't see a problem with that. Like, let's say you only play Fate Grand Order, you only play Dragalia Lost. You know, you're not play, you're not interested in those. I PS4 don't think. Okay, well, uh, this is fundamental. We shouldn't go too far into, it, but I don't think people are good uh, assessors of value. So, like an opium addict will value opium more than the the you know the risk of breaking into someone's house and robbing them. You know. Yes. So clearly, people there's a mismatch between value and uh, reality, and I think not everyone, but this this does show up a lot in people that are doing these gotchas. I think they have a mental disease that's being exploited by these companies. I think I think it's fair to say some 
gotcha users have that mental disease yes. or addiction problem. I, I don't think it's fair to you know categorize them all that way. In fact, I, I think it's a minority of the, of the of people that spend that kind of money. I think normal everyday people have X amount of money they can spend on entertainment and they spend you know what they do. And you you can make the argument that yeah, some of them end up spending more than they want to. But that applies to video games too. I mean, I, I, we all know people that spend their entire paycheck on like just regular video games. Right. But that will not be. But my point is that because of the stories like this, that will not be possible in the near future. So. Mm -hmm. Everyone who's a hardcore gamer on console, let's say, will we will be a subscri subscriber to uh, PlayStation Now, and they literally will not have an option. To they will have access to every single game for five dollars a month. So there will be no way for them to spend uh, their whole paycheck, uh, unless it, they it, fall for the gotcha bullshit in the games. But if those gotcha games are the only games they play, it's not. It's, it's kind of like a false comparison. You know, if you're not playing God of War, you're not playing. You know. Grand Theft Auto, or that has a cash app too. But if you're not playing these other, you know, epic single player or one time buy games, and you're playing gotcha games, like those are the games you're playing, and you get you play them all day, you get a lot of value yeah, out of how much time you spend. Then there's something wrong with you. That's my point. So, so <laughs> you, you're proposing that if somebody plays like three gotcha games all day, they play a lot of Dragalia Lost, they play FGO, if they play only those, there's something wrong with them yeah. fundamentally. Yep. All right. Well, I, I guess we'll have to agree to disagree there. Uh, what, what do you base that on? There's something's wrong with them. The, the, the numbers of the amount of money they're spending on these games versus what they're getting in return. Wait, no, they're playing it all. Let's say they play like three, four hours a day, and they spend five hundred dollars a month. So they spend three, so four hours a day for three. That's what twelve hours a day they're playing mobile games. Yeah. There's something wrong with them. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, I we willing to pull that because I think I think I'll win that argument. <laughs> uh, Reckon ninety one. Uh, what are gotcha games? We're for something called gotcha games. They're games like Dragalia Lost or Fake Grand Order. Uh, these games essentially. Um, you pay like ten, fifteen dollars, twenty dollars. You have a chance to get like rare characters in the game that are more powerful. If you've played, uh, they're they're mainly on mobile. You don't really see them on PC too much, but you have a very low chance to get very powerful characters. I think in Fate Grand Order, the chance of getting a five star character is like one percent. I think a roll costs like twenty bucks or something. So you have a one percent chance to get that five star character you want. So people end up spending lots and lots of money getting certain characters in these games that are more powerful. And they're basically loot boxes. Yeah, exactly. You, there's, there's rare items in loot boxes that are worth a lot of money. They're very powerful. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I feel like these games on phone, especially the gacha games, are like such the, like such a clear example of the whole Skinner Box thing. There's mm -hmm. no multiplayer. There's, it's basically a single player game that you're paying continuously for, right? You're paying for basically pictures. I, it's just, it's just uh, at least like if you're playing 12 hours a day in like Call of Duty or StarCraft or something, you're kind of refining a skill, right? You're improving. You're playing against other people. You're beating mm -hmm. other people. You're losing to other people. You're interacting with other people. More, they're clearly more interactive. I mean, that, that's just a scientific, that's just a basic fact. Also, they're more social, you know? Yeah. So, and even like a single player game, let's say you play 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. You're going to beat it in like a week or two, right? Tops. Yeah. Like, so, but with these, these games, they're just made, they go forever. There's no gameplay. There's no, you're just collecting pictures. You're basically. saying there's no gameplay, but, but there is. What, what's the gameplay? It's autoplay. You, you're building your teams, and you, you have the right team for the right encounter. So I guess you can kind of view it as a strategy game, you know, where you have the right characters in there. And once you get to the late game, there's typically some decision-making required as well. The autoplay isn't going to be sufficient to beat them more. If you're playing Dragalia Lost, Altai, there are fights. In the, like, if, have you seen, like, Dragalia Lost raids in the game? They're like traditional MMORPG raids. You know, you're basically moving and dodging red circles on the ground. You'll get one shot if you don't dodge it. Yeah, like, you can't autoplay that stuff. You will die in one hit. Yeah, if you're... instead you got to just pay $10,000, then you can beat it. Uh, I mean, it makes it easier. Paying ten thousand dollars makes it a lot easier. A lot Wait, there easier. Are, there are raids in the game where you know you will have to actually dodge attacks. It looks like a traditional MMORPG raid where again, obviously you can't. Have, I mean, there's only four players I think per party. But you know, you're dodging circles. If you if you don't know the boss mechanics, you don't know the rotations, you're going to die. 
Look, I would respect that if they didn't have this crazy monetization. And for that reason, I actually don't mind games like Candy Crush. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know what you're getting with Candy Crush. You, it's a match three. You know, you can pay to skip the, you know, to, to try the level again or whatever. Like it's, it's a very understandable, the thing there, the sequence there, where I really do think these gotcha games are preying on on people, just kind of falling for it, getting immersed, like getting trapped in there. You know, I don't know. What I, I, I skipped like three thirty-five in this video, so we at least show some uh, gameplay. Right. I, I would argue maybe maybe the the core gameplay mechanics and maybe fake grand order are a little bit less interactive. But here you again, you're dodging attacks. You got rats. This is like a traditional. Like, this is what looks really cool about Dragalia Lost, and I, I have friends that play this game. They really like it. And what they say they like about this particular mobile game is the raids just seem like actual skill based and fun. Obviously, you can pay your way for advantages like through the roof, you know. It looks like this guy's kind of taking some attacks though, but he's clearly got some uh, pretty powerful character. Yeah, I, I, some games are obviously not any skill involved, and just how much money you spend in the game. Like, uh, what was that one? What was the game you were playing, Altai, with the big, big booby characters? Destiny Child. That's, that, that's all. There's no, there's no skill, right, in that game. Uh, you can no, you could turn off autoplay and, and make decisions yourself. But I, I, all the current content when I was playing, you did not, requ- you did not need to do that. So uh, mm-hmm. you could get through all the content available with, with autoplay. Mm-hmm. Fair. Anyway. The, the, the raids here look fun. It's just obviously the monetization is definitely the, the biggest sketchiest part about this game. But uh, in terms of sketchy monetization all the time, there's a game I bet you didn't hear about that's probably the most uh, sketch. You know, this is more. This, this looks more sketch than any mobile gacha game. Project C Alta. Have you heard about this game? I haven't. No. Okay, so Alta, they just announced that they are they have a hundred and forty dollar founders pack, hundred fifty dollar founders pack. Alta. So scroll down to see your edition. What? For this game, and there's no gameplay video. Alta. There's nothing. Apparently, there's a closed beta starting. I think in um. Next week, sometime in October, I think it's coming out. Uh, yeah, they're claiming this, that there's some closed alpha test happening real soon, right? And the only way to get into it is to pay the $150 visionary pack. All right. And all we have is this, this website. There's no videos, nothing. Zero, zilch, nada. So, what kind of game is this? Who knows? All you got is they claim to be open world MRPG, and they claim to have an international all star team from Ubisoft, Valve, Rockstar Games, 2K, and all those other big name studios. I like this. You know, this is smart. Before, like on Kickstarter, it was implied that you have to at least show like a video, right? Yeah. Now, just just to know what it is, you got to pay. <laughs> What's remarkable is I think Canaris made a good point. Total value $300 says who? I, I love that gimmick, right? They, they claim, oh, this value is actually worth $300. You're getting it for $150. What a deal. Again, that's the cheapest bundle, I think, on this list. So it, well, the other ones aren't even, aren't even available, apparently. And this gives you access to closed alpha phase one, which is going to be super, apparently super rare tier, you know? Yeah, this is the, just think about $150 will buy you so many games, you know? It just uh there's nothing here. Scroll down about Project C, explore an open world, participate and aspire with them. What, what the fuck are they talking about? They they have literal concept art and they want 150 bucks from you. It, it kind of looks like, like No Man's Sky or something. If you look at these pictures. Like they have the audacity to ask for 150 I would be ashamed to ask for money like this when I'm showing you nothing. Oh, here's some here's some here's a gift, guys. All right, that's a gift. We got a gift. We got a gift. That, that's fine. That that's like eighty dollars at most. All right, for the gift, you got a gift. You get eighty bucks. That's nothing. It's a guy walking. I remember yeah. because remember when like alpha testing was like you got paid to do it. It was like a job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this this game seems like this this game caught my scam radar. We did publish their their press release on on Amazon.com, but it definitely uh definitely looks mega mega sketch. I don't know. It, it it's shameful that they can get away with this and. I don't know. I, I wouldn't give them any, any money. No, and, and, you know, usually when you see a company like this and they claim to have an all-star team, like 
where the fuck is the about us page? You know, you'd think a website has like, you know, about page. You can see they're their lead developer, this developer, some guy smiling, some corporate website, nothing. They got nothing. Sketch. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I ain't buying it. You know, I think I think it's just sad that the MMO community is so thirsty for a game like this that the standards that you know we have are just going down and down and down in terms of what we'll put up with. Like, you know there are people who immediately bought this just because mm-hmm. of the the text saying open world yeah i mean in their in their defense if you go to their corporate website for dare wise entertainment the developer you can see their core team they got they got the pictures there all right so they got people actually here so it just but they've shown you nothing and they're asking 150 bucks that doesn't change the fact that i am very skeptical about this game and when we got the press release for this like you think they like show hey you know here's here's a video you can include with your page no nothing Found it in 2017, so they've been at it for two years. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think the, they'll probably show something soon. Mm-hmm. But you can't ask for money and show nothing. Or otherwise, yeah. like, you must have no shame. You must have some level. I, uh, it's, it's weird. Again, honestly, I think the, the bar has been set so low that this is just this is the new norm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I support it. You should not be giving any of these pre-alpha games or whatever any money. I think that's why uh, that's why Estelia, I think, has even, even some level of hype. You know, Honestly, the bar... Is p- people are looking for an MMORPG to play, and that's why games like Bless did really well too. I mean, Bless had I think it launched like twenty thousand players or something. I think Shroud was playing it. I think like Rekful was playing it. All these like big name streamers that loved playing MMORPGs ended up playing Bless just to try it out. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure Bless had enough money to pay them either. So I think they wanted to try the game out, and they were clearly miserable playing it because it was it was awful. People are still looking for MMORPGs to play. And I think that's one of the reasons Estelia is uh, people are playing it and looking forward to it, you know? Even though Estelia, I, I, I said a few times in previous podcasts and, and news recaps, I don't think the game is anything special. I think uh, KitKat and a few other people in the, in the stream chat talked about it a bit in the pregame. And it, it really just pl- feels like a traditional Korean MRPG. And really, the only only highlight in the game, and the only differentiation is their stealth system, which is their, their glorified pet system. And every character has access to this pet system, and it's kind of cool. You know, the game launched just last week, and people are playing it, but it's a buy-to-play game. And it's just hard to get excited for it because there's not, there's not too much going on there besides the SL system. Yeah, we'll see how it does. There's been a few game launches this uh, recently. Um, a lot of them are Battle Royales, which are not doing hot. You know, Planet Side Arena launched. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we mentioned, the Ashes of Creation Battle Royale. We were playing it actually in the pregame. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of both just meandering pretty low. Uh, we got. Um, was that launch? Pagan Online was a game that launched, I think, last month. Also mm-hmm. just meandering. So, who knows? And just they're really like thinking about it for our MRPs of the year. All day, there really aren't that many MRPs that launched this year, right? Yeah. There's like there's like three. You know, you got a Pig Online, you got Stellia. Like, what else is a traditional MRPG that launched this year? Well, you know, the the, 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 the term launch is getting weirder and weirder. You used to think open beta was launch, mm-hmm. but now we have like uh, paid kind of closed beta launches. Like I know um, Shards Online, which is now mm-hmm. Legends of Aria, officially launched on Steam this year, but mm-hmm. it's kind of been out for you know a while now. So. Do we count that? Do we not count that? I don't know. It, it, it's been, it's been, it has been out for a long time. I think they officially, you know, technically launched this year. Now, that game also kind of had a big price cut this last week. They cut the price from uh, I think thirty to twenty bucks, mm-hmm. which is nice. But I think uh, ultimately they're going to end up being free to play as well, because uh, a game like Legend of Aria, very much modeled after uh, Ultima Online and a bit of like old school RuneScape, you need a community in those games. You need to have players online, and the Steam charts, you know, not particularly great for for that game. I mean, I, I I like the core gameplay there. It's just that, uh, it's just that, you know, it, it, I I played so much Ultima Online that it's basically just a reskin Ultima Online, which I think you know, I, I like Ultima Online. I think it's a great game, but uh, you need more players. 
Uh, I pull I pull up the Planetside Arena uh, thing here. So if you look at the Steam, uh, again mixed results, very bad ratings. 150 people online right now. So it's it's quickly gonna fade, I think. Mhm. Mm Unfortunate. There's there's battle royale mode in uh, Planetside Arena though, at least. I think the whole thing is a battle royale, right? Well, they did not. Well, they have a deathmatch mode. They have oh, a okay. team deathmatch. They have capture the flag. They, they, they just kind of build it as like a kind of a quake through just any like arena shooter style game. No. So what they did is they took Planetside too. Yeah. Took a hammer. Broke it into pieces and hoped people would buy those. Yeah, which is weird because you think and they made it buy to player. No, it's free to play now. Never mind. It's weird because what made Planet Side Two unique is that it was an MMO FPS with an actual MMO with with territory control. It was such a badass concept. I still remember playing Planet Side Two and Planet Side One for the first time, and I was always like, "Holy shit! It feels amazing to be in this persistent world with thousand people in the same battlefield as me, fighting for control over a certain spot." They made some really wonky like. Like design decisions with what it takes to actually capture a place, which created some weird bottlenecks in certain battles. But the concept was amazing. It was it was a, it was a very awe. Like it left me in awe as I played that game for the first time, both on Planet Side One and Planet Side Two. We played the Planet Side One version quite a bit back in the day. We subscribed to the I think it was called the Sony something Pass back then, the SOE Pass back when they had uh, Planet Side, they had in Infantry, and I think one other game included that bundle. And we, we played it because of uh, Planet Side. Yeah, uh, it's sad to see what uh, Daybreak has done with uh, mm -hmm. their roster, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I got, I got a few funny stories here. Yeah, so, what's up? I don't know if you heard about this one. Logitech actually bought Streamlabs. We actually use that for like our track our donations and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So that is owned by Logitech now. So. Today I learned. That seems very odd for you know a, a keyboard and, and mouse or peripheral manufacturer to own Streamlabs. I mean, does Streamlabs make any money? Like, What is their business model? Uh, I doubt they make money, but they paid. So the Logitech paid eighty nine million with a uh, option to pay twenty nine million more, depending on how. The wow, performance. that much money! Yeah. So basically, I don't. I, I mean, who knows what the performance bonus will be? But probably over hundred million at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Really, seventy percent of Twitch users use Streamlabs. More interestingly, why doesn't Twitch have their own version of of, of this? Like, why yeah. they why they let Streamlabs exist? Like everything Streamlabs does, you can integrate with Twitch so much easier if they're developing as a first party tool. You know. Even OBS, honestly, why isn't there a, a is there is there is there a Twitch like version of OBS or not? Yes, yeah, they recently okay. launched it. Yeah, it's like, it's like a basic sense. version of it, and it's their own branding. I think for average user that's streaming for the first time, you don't need these OBS, right? So why not use a Twitch one? It just seems weird that they don't include a default version of Streamlabs with donation tracking and all that stuff on their own. Yeah, I think that's a big that's a big threat that they will do that, and then and then Streamlabs would be worth nothing. Yeah. Uh, questionable. I think it's a questionable uh, acquisition for uh, for Logitech, but obviously it's nothing to them. Uh, Logitech is a pretty huge company. Altai, take a guess. How big do you think Logitech is? How much is Logitech worth, Altai? How much is Logitech worth? Uh, what is the market cap of Logitech? The market value of the entire company? Five billion. Six point seven five billion. That's worth. close. All right, another fun question. Did you know where they're based? Switzerland. Yes, they're they're based in Switzerland. I bet most people didn't know that one. But yeah, they are worth a lot, though. That's why their keyboards and mice cost so much money. You know, they stash, they stash the gold in Switzerland. Yeah, it's not they're not that expensive. They're, they're pretty reasonable. They, they they have lower end models too, but their gaming stuff is pretty much on par with everyone else's. The quality is usually pretty good, though. Oh, yeah, I'm, Where, I'm using their mouse, so I'm not complaining. Just it is expensive, though. This mouse was like I think like ninety dollars. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at uh, the latest Super Data numbers. These come out once a month, and always fun to look at. The September numbers came out I think just last week. We can see it up to uh, September twentieth. Uh, number one on PC, still Dungeon Fighter Online. 
game uh, a lot of people in the West can't underestimate because it's not very popular here. But League of Legends is still dominating that list. We talked about in a previous podcast. They get like over over 8 million, 10 million concurrent users online every, on any given day. So they're still doing crazy, crazy well. World of Warcraft West taking number three spot. And I think we all know why. It's because of the launch of Classic. And if you look at the the subscription numbers, WoW Classic drives a huge up of subscribers. WoW subscri- subscription revenue grew like 233%. 233%. Which is absolutely nuts, but but interestingly, it was not as high of a bump as Battle for Azeroth launch. Yes, plenty of people bought Battle for Azeroth just to try, and then they all left. So I think actually, if we if we can look back at our at our data for what we what we what the Battle for Azeroth launch numbers were, it probably jumped like we, we can see we can guess where it is and probably what it jumped if we look at some data. But I mean, still, they clearly more than doubled their player, their subscription revenue. And what's more surprising to me is just how many people resubscribe for an expansion in WoW and then quit. Yeah, for the numbers to be this low. It's absolutely nuts. People are coming back for for Az- Battle of Azeroth when the expansion launch, and so many people quit after that. I think that's I think it's a fundamental problem with the expansion model, though. Mm-hmm. It's just too much boom and bust. It's too volatile. And and the, and the sad thing is, you know, the, the first month of Battle for Azeroth was fun, but the content was like this disjointed, non-lore like heavy content. There was a, there was a raid with no meaning, right? It was just random shit they threw in. And then the actual stuff with like Jaina and like, you know, the actual characters came later and stuff, yeah. when everyone quit. So that's really weird. Yeah, they should have launched that stuff to begin with. So at least on that you know, millions of players could have at least experienced the, the relevant character content. But instead, everyone's gone by the time that stuff launches. Very, very weird decision making over there. Doesn't make any sense. I'm still waiting for uh, for Warcraft 3 or right? That's what I'm excited for from Blizzard. Yeah, I mean, I actually pre-ordered that too. And I, I thought it'd be out by now, but I guess we're going to probably get it after BlizzCon or at BlizzCon. Mm-hmm. You need to be... I mean, actually, right. We've learned how important RNG can be in a lot of games. I, I still maintain RNG is one of the most important like design elements into a game that keeps players hooked. The, the way BFA did it clearly did not resonate with players. I got a fun story. Kind of related mm-hmm. to WoW. Or, or Blizzard, at least. So Blizzard is... Hi- uh, somebody teased out Blizzard's uh, hiring lip page. Mm-hmm. And they saw that they're looking for somebody... To help maintain Blizzard's classic titles, so these are like retired titles: StarCraft One, mm-hmm. uh, Diablo Two, Diablo One and Two. Yeah, and listed in in this category now for the first time is Diablo Three. Wow! So this admission, I guess, by Blizzard, uh, something it shouldn't be too much of a shock, but basically they've kind of given up on Diablo Three at this point. It's, it's basically in the same bin as uh, their you know legacy games they call it. So that's uh, probably sad for like the four guys out there who still like Diablo Three, but. It, it 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 sold a lot of copies, but I don't think it had the cultural impact as the first uh, Diablo or the second Diablo did. Yeah, I think a lot of people always look back at Diablo three and say, "Look how many copies it sold. It sold really well." But how many of those players kept coming back to the game is the question. I don't think the player base remained that active. Just like Final Fantasy fifteen, I think it sold a lot of copies. It was a commercial success. But I just don't think Final Fantasy fifteen just had the same uh, impact that you know even honestly even Final Fantasy thirteen had. I mean, Final Fantasy thirteen a lot of legitimate criticism. But uh, I mean, I, I think more people like I feel like it left a bit more, at least more of an impact on me. And games like Final Fantasy seven, eight, nine, and ten just left much bigger impacts than Final Fantasy fifteen. Final Fantasy fifteen, I think I thought was at least pretty pretty unmemorable. I actually, it's the only Final, mainline Final Fantasy game I didn't beat. I bought the game, played played a bit, couldn't finish it. So even though it sold really well, just like Diablo three sold really well, I guess it didn't, just didn't leave an impact. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't hear anybody talking about Final Fantasy fifteen uh, today, or or even like a month after its launch. It was kind of just disappeared into the ether. Yeah, it just—it's weird that some games can leave such a lasting impact, and others just kind of fade fade into the distance. Yeah. So, Diablo three, dead, dead game confirmed. All right. Speaking of games, all right, dead games confirmed. Ash of Creation Apocalypse uh, 
launch this last week or so on uh, about a week ago into Steam Early Access for realties this time. It's not just on the open beta where they're going to shut it down in a day. Apparently, uh, this is it's on here for good now, and they plan to keep updating it. And uh, it's off to mostly negative reviews, which is pretty surprising. Only one, I, I knew the game sucked. I played the, the, the beta as well. We played a couple of rounds before the stream, but I knew I knew the game sucked. I was surprised with the with the low rating because Ash of Creation, along with Chronicles of Illyria and Star Citizen, have very fanatical fans. They have fans that absolutely love this game, and, and, and you know the game can do no wrong. And given the cult like loyalty of their followers, I'm surprised they didn't all you know leave positive reviews for Ash of Creation Apocalypse. So. But the game is sitting at 31%, mostly negative on Steam. Uh, if you're looking for a really janky, fancy Battle Royale game to play, you can try it. But there's no room in the market for a subpar or mediocre fancy Battle Royale game when there are so many like established Battle Royale games. It's not to say you can't make a Battle Royale game, but you can't make a Battle Royale game that's a side project of your main game and expect anyone to actually play it. Like Clearly, this not, I mean, at least this is presented as a side project. It's not the main focus of Asher Creation. Though, if this is what the, the team and Trebek can make, I am not optimistic for the MRPG. Yeah, I mean, these, these reviews are pretty uh, amazing. Like, they're, the negative to positive ratio here, as you scroll down, is just amazing. There's one guy saying good things. And he, even he is kind of just basically saying, guys, this is not the game. This is just like a test client. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It just seems... Uh, to be fair to Ash's Creation, they're one of the younger uh, Kickstarter <laughs> games. In, in terms of... Since their Kickstarter, it hasn't been that long still, okay? So there are still a lot of older games that have uh, are still, you know, over-promising and still not delivering, you know, whether it's Star Citizen. Actually, in that regard, Chronicles of Illyria is actually, I, I, I would say I am more optimistic in Asher Creation than Chronicles of Illyria. I think yep. Asher Creation Apocalypse even is going to be better than whatever Chronicles of Illyria ends up delivering. I am actually so negative on Chronicles of Illyria. I knew there was a big nothing burger the day when the Kickstarter was announced. And I was amazed to see how many they raised like over a million dollars as well. And just the, the, the backing of that game with how little we've actually seen of the gameplay. I mean, at least you got a Battle Royale game out of Ashley Creation Apocalypse, even if we never get a you know full-blown MRPG, which, of course, they still promise they're going to deliver. Uh, I don't know. Chronicles of Lyria, I think, has no chance. Yeah. And with, with Ashley Creation Apocalypse, I'm not sure what they were trying to get from this. Like, I mean, they did previous tests where, they, you know, the reviews were abysmal, the numbers were abysmal, and... This was an exact repeat of all the previous tests, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what they expected, but they're kind of leaving a bad taste in people's mouth, a, a bad first impression. Uh, I, I get that there, there are more people trying it and testing it on Steam than there would be on their own site. But I feel like by bringing it to Steam this early, they're just, I feel like they're losing more than they're gaining. Yeah, if you keep an eye on the Steam charts too, the game averages about uh, 287 players online in the last 30 days. It's about 220 players on right now. I have no doubt that in uh, about two, three weeks' time, this game will be dead. Uh, you will not be able to find even full games no one's going to play this game and that's always the hard part about battle royale games or even mobas or any kind of uh like any kind of non-mrpg or or, you, or any game that you can't really play solo or with a small group is if you don't have a full team of like 60 plus players in a single game you're never going to find matches and if you can't find matches the few people that want to keep playing the game don't want to keep waiting for those matches and without enough players the elo system will make no sense where you know new players that try the game will never be able to compete or have fun because they're playing against only the 50 other players are the only ones playing the game and they're, and they're still playing because they love this game and they're really good at it so you can get raffle stopped by pros that are still in, in your there's only enough players for one match in the future so i think azure creation is doomed you just cannot have a, a battle royale game with a couple hundred players online it's not it's not feasible and that applies to mobas it applies to a lot of other games as well and the good thing about mrpgs is you can play them solo you can play them kind of by even the small group of friends you know you and your three friends could go play uh even you know, Asta 2, if that game is still around today. You can all jump in and have fun play together, you know? But you just can't do that with a Battle Royale game. 
And for that reason, I, th- I think the game is dead on arrival. And I do think it's it's quite a meme that uh, somebody mentioned in the chat too, like, oh, they're just testing the combat. No, this this is this is not just testing the combat. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird that this game even exists, you know, because people wanted an RPG, but they got this battle rail game, and they claim to be developing both now concurrently. But there's a cash up in Astro Creation Apocalypse. It's not just a, a side thing. There's a cash up in the game. They're trying to monetize the battle rail game. It's not just you know the combat testing. There's, there's, they're, they're clearly spending time on designing weapons, doing the balance stuff for the battle rail game. There are, there are resources spent now on this battle rail game, and those resources obviously cannot be used on the MRPG. So for that reason, I'm very pessimistic on the MRPG as well, but I'm still I'm still more optimistic on Astro Creation than I am on Chronicles of Lyria. But with the caveat that the bar is extremely low for both. You know, I am not optimistic on either, but I think Azure Creation has something and they have a better chance of creating anything than uh, Chronicles of Illyria does. I didn't mention my conspiracy theory last time, but I'll, I'll repeat it now. So I, so when you play Azure Creation Apocalypse, you don't just need a Steam account. Once you launch a game, you got to make an account, an, an intrepid <laughs> account, right? So you got to put your email, a password. And I suspect they're just releasing this as a test to farm emails and accounts so they can go to investors and say, look, we have like 10,000 or 100,000 um registered users uh that's our player base that's our size you know so i think they're goosing their metrics with this that, that's my conspiracy that's, theory. that's a good conspiracy theory for Azure creation pockets they do collect those email addresses and clearly having more numbers is going to look good for raising money but i don't know i feel like any kind of investor in due diligence will figure out like wait a minute you just launched this free-to-play thing as a way to gather emails you know like i feel like that would come up you know because i might just be some rich guy old guy just says ah i want to get the gaming gaming is big i saw it on espn yesterday and then boom here's the money I think people do underestimate how often stuff like what you just said could happen. You know, there are people, there are a lot of rich old people with money, right? And, and they want to invest it and they want to be clever and they want to invest in like what they can predict the future. You know, they think, oh, we, I watched all the videos on Azure Creation, it looks very fancy. So yeah, yeah companies do raise money from, uh, you know, sometimes gullible investors or just investors don't, don't make don't make good decisions. So maybe this is some kind of conspiracy theory to, to collect emails, to get more registered users, to show more people playing the game. But uh, I, and I, I'm just not optimistic on an Azure creation period. Well, if you're not optimistic on that one, I got another Kickstarter for you. I love Kickstarter and Let's see it. All right, so here we go. Let's see if this one's still going, if they got their money. Oh, it's, oh they got funded. Okay, so they wanted $12,000, and instead they got 533000 Is that VR one? No, it's called Day of Dragons. These guys don't even bother having a video on their Kickstarter page. It's just this picture. How have I not heard of this? Yeah, it, it, I think it just finished recently. Uh, that's their date here. Uh, oh, they raised five hundred. Is it MRPG? Kind of. It's like a you. It's like a giant survival game where you're you start with like a baby dragon, uh, and then you grow up as a big dragon. See if there's any updates or. All right, we got a screenshot. So I'm looking. I'm seeing some. Right, I'm I'm seeing Unreal Engine uh, four graphics over here with some dragons walking around, and there's no video. Yeah, I'm just seeing some. Be- I mean, the, the graphics look good, but these. Uh, this doesn't even scroll down. Dave Dragon's first teaser trailer, first flight trailer. All right, here we go, guys. Oh, baby. Sick gameplay. This is actually one of the lighter uh, Kickstarter pages, like where it's. I'm not impressed at all by uh, like the presentation page. Like, I got to hand it to the guys at um, Chronicles of Lyria. Their Kickstarter page looked dope. All right, they hired the right. Pizzazz, you know, they got nice, nice gifts on there. They got videos. It's got a lot of pizzazz. The Day of Dragons Kickstarter, not the, no, I see no pizzazz. Let's see their homepage here. Okay, so this is the homepage. I mean, the graphics look great, whatever they're using, but they're I using think, Unreal, I bet. It looks like Unreal Engine yeah, 4. Graphics. Yeah, it's Unreal Engine, like. That's what I hate. I hate that people can coast off their graphics. Like, hey guys, look at our graphics. And they show these screenshots of like assets in a 3D world. Like, that alone means nothing. That is literally Unreal Engine 4 booted up 
with a background. You can just slap anything in there, and it looks good. Like it looks like these graphics. But so many people are fooled by that. You know, you shouldn't. You you look at the actual gameplay systems. Okay, you want to see? I want to see. I want to see a video showing some some level of some kind of progression, some kind of gameplay, some kind of combat, some kind of you know. Without that, and I hate seeing videos for Kickstarter games or these ambitious titles where all you see is a guy walking around uh, a beautiful 3D world. That that's literally nothing. Anyone can make that on Unreal Engine. If that's all you're showing, anyone can make that in a couple hours on Unreal Engine. Can we just take a moment to appreciate the company logo here? Mm-hmm. Be awesome games, and there's this weird like doodle. I like it. Uh, they pro- they actually have a pretty aggressive uh, uh, schedule here. They say they're going to be an early uh, access release on Steam by November 21st. So that's what, like a month, two months? Yeah, a month. They're coming on Steam. Yeah, yeah. two months. They're going to be on Steam. He's already up. So we're we're gonna get to see what this is all about. Uh, I'm really interested to see. Let's check out their Steam page, Altai. Um, yeah, I'm there. Yeah. All right. So you see them walking around. Online creature survival game. Interesting. I can't believe they raised. I I, I am amazed that they raised uh, that kind of money with what with what they put on their Kickstarter page. So their marketing guy did work. I'll give him that. All right. Their marketing guy did work. Good yeah. for them. We'll see. We'll see what happens with this one. Keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. All right. See, let's, 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 let me search and more PJ Kickstarter. See if we got anything spicy going on over here. It, it's funny, Zeranjix. It, it's actually quite remarkable how big Skyrim still is. You know, you said earlier, you know, a single player game will only last you, you know, a week or something. People are still playing Skyrim today. And the game came out, what, in 2014 or something? Skyrim release date. When did Skyrim come out? People are still pl- 2012, Altai. The game is. The game is about eight years old now, and people are still playing it because it is a really good game, and there's some great mods for it. All right, here's a fun little mobile story. So, there's a big trend, you know, old PC free-to-play RPGs going mobile, right? Mm-hmm. And now well, we got another one, four-story mobile. So this was one of the OG WoW clones, Zemi Interactive, and now they're going mobile. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Going mobile. This is what everybody's been asking for, okay? PC WoW clone from Asia on your phone. That, that's exactly what people needed, all right? That's what we need, more WoW clones on PC. Well, have you seen the Warhammer Odyssey gameplay? No, what is that? Okay, so Warhammer is making their own uh, MMORPG as well, it seems now. And actually, like graphically, it looks okay, but you really, don't, you, don't really, you really can't see much. Let me go and link you the video. Again, because it's because it's mobile, I'm not optimistic at all. Because every single mobile game today has been kind of uh, disappointing, at least for me. I'm hoping. Uh, actually, I played Black Desert Mobile already in the Korean version. I'm already disappointed with that too. So I'm not optimistic on this either. But hey, it's Warhammer. I like Warhammer, and for that reason, if it's free, I'll give it a try on mobile. The graphics look good though, doesn't it? The graphics do look good. And I'm getting this like kind of like this WoW-ish look from here. This car- little bit cartoony look. I-, I like the vibes, but I feel like they have autoplay elements. I have a feeling it's going to play like Lineage 2 Revolution and whatnot. Uh, actually, right. I, 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 yes. Almost a, a lot of mobile games kind of stress out your phone. Because especially, if you, I, I remember putting mine on max settings too. Yeah, this is the most cliche, like, alpha footage. Right, with a slow walk character. And do you yeah. see the environment? The petition for no more slow walking. I like it. I mean, then again, I feel nowadays Games Workshop kind of pimps themselves. I mean, they, they sell their license to anyone. You know, you, there's been so many... You know, games developed on based on the Warhammer franchise by so many random studios. 
So I'm not sure if, you know, just having the Warhammer name means much. I guess it kind of means at least they, they, they paid money for it. That kind of puts the bar a little bit higher already. Maybe the run animation is bad. There you go. You got you to you appreciate that walking animation. But we know nothing about this game besides that it's an MRPG. And then it'll be uh, I think some kind of playable beta eventually here. Yeah, it was announced last month. I mean, the, the deluge of, like, these mobile MMOs and RPGs just, just keeps coming. You know, we had Perfect yeah. World Mobile. It was kind of, kind of lame. It just launched. Yeah, it was nothing special. Yeah. Though Honestly, if you've if you never played it and you just, you're really bored and you want a meme, give it a try. Because this really funny augmented reality thing where you can kind of, like, put your character in the you know with your camera in the world and looks really, really stupid. But it's fun to play with. So I recommend if you're really bored and you want a meme, give Perfect World Mobile a try. There's, it, it really does feel like we're, we're in 2007, 2008, 2009 era. Remember back then when we were, when we were doing MOHA, there was a new game coming out like every week on PC. Like Area Games, G-Potato, uh, Game Ago, all these companies would launch a new like MORPG every week. And it really feels that way for mobile games now where there's a new mobile new mobile game launching every week. And some of them, like, some of them look good. There's, some of them have, like, they look like they spent some effort or quality into it. And there's just so many of them coming out. You can't keep up with them all. No. Yeah, so we gotta we gotta we gotta cover some more mobile games, right, boys? That's that's what we need, all right. Uh, so I did do a first look for Perfect World Mobile. So, what was that article you linked about League of Legends? They were doing uh, Louis Vuitton. Oh, that was really cool. I think actually, yeah. So League of Legends is doing a collaboration with uh, Louis Vuitton. Let me see if we can find it. It's for a skinning game. I'm curious what the price is going to be. Uh, uh, there's really not been too much details about this yet. All we, all we know is something's going to happen. And it'd be cool to see if there's an LV Louis Vuitton skin in the game that costs like more than the 20 bucks that they usually charge for the legendary stuff. Because I think the most expensive skins are I think were 20 or 30 for the legendary skins. So if they did a 1K skin, Louis Vuitton in League of Legends, that'd be kind of cool though. You know somebody's going to buy it. You know somebody would buy it. I think this is going to be huge in China. Because they, they love, they're more open accepting of gaming. League is big there. And the Chinese people love their luxury brands even more than like Americans. Kcat94, thank you for the Twitch Prime sub. Much love. I, I really do think this could, it really could work. Like, honestly, there's no reason not to have 1K skins in League of Legends. There's no reason if you're playing, you know, Final Fantasy 14, you want to dress up your Aura or your Mikote just with a nice $1,000 purse or, you know, handbag. Like, why not? There are people that will buy it. And you still maintain the luxury. And listen, if you're Louis Vuitton, real talk, real talk, I'll tell you. This is we're going 100% real. All right, you're, you're the marketing director of Louis Vuitton. How do you reach these kids? Okay, because a lot of younger people play League of Legends, they play Final Fantasy 14, they play MMOs, right? Only go for the big games, obviously. Don't obviously you're not going to be selling Louis Vuitton handbags in a in Asa Story or Eternal Magic or some of these really obscure games that nobody plays, right? How do you reach those kids? Because when those kids are young and they're playing League of Legends, they're only that's your introduction to the, to the luxury brand. Maybe it won't be a thousand dollars, maybe five hundred bucks, because your handbags are a thousand dollars. You know, you don't want to sell a. You know, if your real handbags a thousand, you can sell for five hundred in the game for a virtual one. It's a good way to introduce people to your brand, right? As a, as a luxury item. Well, I don't think they want like kids per se. I think I honestly think this whole thing is aimed at Asia. Like, the, like I'm playing on the on the stream right now, the Lightning, uh, Louis Vuitton and Final Fantasy collab. collab. Yeah. This was obviously for Japan, right? Was it? We yeah. saw it in Turkey, and they did it in America. That well, was everywhere. Globally, but, but, you can't say it's for one oh, country to do it globally. Okay, I, I, I don't know the number, but I suspect a vast majority of the sales of these companies comes from Asia. A bunch of fufu Asians trying to be like, "Oh, look, we're we're you know we're classy. We're like we're like the Europeans, you know." Uh, let's see what the numbers are actually. 
I mean, they're much, they're actually much more, uh, they're much more uh, equally divided than you think all the time. Look at Statistica. Here's Louis Vuitton sales by region. So Asia is 31%. United States is 18%. Europe is 23%. France by itself is 23%. I'm not sure why France and Europe are separated, but if you add them together, Europe is bigger than uh, Asia. Well, I mean, I'm not sure why Japan is separated too. Kind of odd. How are you viewing this? It's like hidden for me. All right. Well, let me give you a screenshot over here. This, this chart will tell you. Not sure why it gave me access to it. If you can pay walled. There you go. But again, there are people that pay $30 for skins in games. And honestly, I, I've looked at like random shitty Chinese MRPGs where they have skins for like 60 bucks. I've seen $60 skins in games. Why not $500 skin? I know uh, Rift tried to do $200 mounts. $200 mounts in their, in their um, loot box. And why not do a $500 Louis Vuitton skin? Why not do a five hundred dollar Gucci bag in a game? I, I, I would make you know you know people would buy it. There's no doubt in my mind people aren't going to buy it. Every time they launch a, one of those epic skins in League of Legends, I go to my friends list. Everyone's got it. Like everybody buys that stuff. I think if they do it, they will make money in Asia. But I do think the sentiment will be will be negative here in America. Wait, I could be wrong. I, but here's the thing. I I understand the the outcry for pay to win. I understand the outcry for loot boxes. I understand that stuff. But if if they're monetizing off you know these whales for cosmetic stuff, it really just gives everybody else a pass and a, and a win. You know, if they're selling like a lot of Chinese games do sell pay to win stuff, and, and that that can you can justifiably be mad about that. But if they're monetizing purely on luxury items, like doesn't make any sense. People are people are people mad that in real life I can buy a, a ten dollar bag at Walmart or I can buy a two thousand dollar Louis Vuitton bag at the Louis Vuitton store. Like they both exist already in real life. Uh, again, I could be wrong, right? But my my guess is the sentiment by the players towards each other that have if, if I might just log into if they do it in America, I might log into League and just flame the first guy I see with the Louis until until I got banned on League. Okay. <laughs> but I, you, I think like in Asia, do you do that when you see somebody in Louis Vuitton bag in real life? No. Why? Because it's, it's not anonymous. It's, not, it's offline. That's why you don't want to be well, like it's a offline player. too. But I think it, the somehow it's different. I think. Why? People spend that money, that kind of money on real life Louis Vuitton bags. Why not spend some kind of money in a game? It is, it's remarkable that we haven't seen too much luxury stuff in gaming. Obviously, there's a lot of pay to win stuff, and they've monetized really well through like the gambling mechanics of uh, of gacha games. But I really think even if Fortnite just sold a skin, like a, a rare Louis Vuitton, like a super rare, it doesn't have to be Louis Vuitton, but it'd be, it'd be cool if it was a luxury brand, like a real life luxury brand. If Fortnite sold a skin for like a thousand bucks, a limited edition skin, only one week only. They're going to sell a lot Look, because some percent of their player base is in the top one percent of like income earners. We need an internet communist revolution, right? I'm going to start. To, I'm going to, Comrade Altai is going to start recruiting. I want you guys to sign a pledge. If they add this in league, we're all going to log in with our alts, maybe, and we're going to just play games. If we see anyone with a skin, we're going to ruin the game for them. So if they're if they're on our team, we're going to feed and ruin the game. All right, if they're an enemy team, we got just we're going to keep killing them over and over again, right? And insulting them. There you go. Until we get banned, and we're going to keep making accounts and doing this. All right, it's the only way to stop the. Uh, Corruption, the capitalist corruption of capitalist class from squishing right. the hard workers. Yes, I, I've heard that argument many times, but it doesn't really pass the sniff test. When you play, yes, when you play Final Fantasy 14 or you play World of Warcraft or you play any MRPG or really any online game, you know that there are people that can pay for advantages in any MRPG, like straight up. Like if you're playing WoW, you can buy infinite amount of in-game gold using you know IRL money with the game's uh, token system. If you're playing Final Fantasy 14, you know for a fact you can you can buy uh, in-game currency from third-party gold sellers. You know for a fact in-game they advertise people that will sell runs for the hardest content in the game and get you all the achievements. You can buy all the achievements, you can buy all the weapons, all the armor, everything in-game. It's advertised in-game in the party finder already. 
Like literally any achievement in the game, any item in the game is advertised in game already. So there's I don't think there's any sense of fairness in these games to begin with. I think at least Dota 2 and League of Legends, there is a sense of uh like skill required to like do well. But you know, there, there's a sense of you know, it's not a utopia either, because you can pay for $20 skins already, which people are okay with. You know, they've already swallowed that. We've already accepted $20 skins. I think the leap from $20 skins to $500 skins or $1,000 skins really isn't much when, when, you, when people are already okay with the cosmetics. Well, I'm going to do my part yeah. in the war by insulting people who spend money on, right. like, on on cosmetics and digital transactions. I also think it'd be a really good way for... um, Again, we, it's a really good way for PC and RPGs to, to, to thrive and survive in an era where mobile games and mobile monetization has really run amok. You know, if you're playing... Yeah, if you play Final Fantasy XIV, you know, you make you you're paying ten bucks a month or twelve bucks a month to play. You're playing for World of Warcraft, you pay 10, 12, 12 bucks a month to play. That I mean compared to the monetization we've seen on mobile games, the it's crazy. It, it just they can make so much more money with the pay-to-win stuff we've seen on mobile games than we do on multi-subscription, you know, PCM RPGs. I mean, there's a reason like yearly revenues for Final Fantasy XIV are nothing compared to some of the mobile games out there. The mobile pay-to-win nonsense, you know? Even World of Warcraft, you know. As big as it is, there are so many nonsense mobile games that out-earn it. I mean, I'm pretty sure like FGO out-earns it too. So I, I, there's got to be, I mean, if they monetize via skins in World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV, again, it's it's a small price to pay. I, I, I just hate that these companies are so scared to anger their player base when the reality is these games are going extinct. PC and RPGs are in danger of going extinct if they don't monetize a little bit better. But I don't want to see them monetize with pay to win. I, I want to see them monetize with skins. And, and if they can... $200 skins really shouldn't insult anybody. If, if you have that much of a problem with $200 skins, just don't play the game if it really bothers you that much. But I think ultimately it's going to allow more people to play the game because they can keep updating the game and they, you know those games will survive. Whenever, when, when, if you're a big game company, you, you're going to be diverting resources towards mobile games, not PC games because you can... Well, it's going to happen anyway. I, I, I don't think you can stop that. I, I, I think you can. No, I don't think so. I think, again, if, if your game is making... Like Final Fantasy XIV is still doing really well because the game is really good, I think. But they're, they're fighting an uphill battle. With your monetization model, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm not optimistic on PC uh, MMORPGs in general at this point. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Hey, we got that uh, Lord of the Rings one coming from Amazon at least. They're working well, on. That. Well, what about the other Amazon games that they're supposed to be working on? Yeah, New World. What? They Radio? came out recently and said, "Hey, guys, we're still working on New World." So just just yeah. this week, they said we're still working on New World. So maybe that's going to happen. Maybe it's not. But again, the problem with New World is the same problem we've seen with a lot of these kinds of games. This whole you know, we're going to make a Rust-like survival MMO where you have this MMO scale game like Rust. But the problem is when you scale to the MMO level, it gets very complicated. That's why, you know, Life is Feudal MMO isn't doing particularly well. It went free to play, so it's getting 500 players online, which is not bad. Better than before. But, uh, you know, it's why these games can't survive. I mean, even Last Oasis, I don't think you heard about this one. Outside. They announced uh, just recently, I think. They're, they, they delayed till Q1 of 2020 now, but they're trying to make this a survival MMO Survival game with MO elements. So they're going with that same. Uh, it looks like Conan Exiles almost, but with a uh, you know MO scale. And it sounds great, but I'm not optimistic because we've seen Amazon try doing this with New World. We've seen so many games try this MO scale survival elements. It just doesn't work. It just gets too complicated, apparently. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I did see. I thought it was coming out this year, but yeah, they got it was supposed to. Yes, but they pushed it back again. Rip. Jeff Bezos will grow his hair back by the time New World comes out. Yeah, Kit Kat, it's not looking good for it. Exactly. So basically, uh, Samurai uh, Yagamath, $50 for two new Warcraft slash Overwatch themed skins exclusive to buying a BlizzCon ticket. And 
it it just I don't get it. I really don't get it. Where because there are there are clearly a segment of players in World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy fourteen that are willing to shell hundred dollars, five hundred dollars for a skin. Why not monetize that? It just seems like the most innocent way to monetize your game. Innocent. It's innocent that nobody's getting hurt. It's a win-win-win. Okay, you as somebody that didn't buy the skin, you win. You know why? Because Square Enix makes more money. Do you know what that means for you? You get more content. No, but the kind, the, the kind of con- okay. So okay, they released twenty dollars skins, right? Yeah. So a certain segment of people are attracted, attracted to yes. that. Now, with that okay, money, they're going to use the content to develop more content attractive to that c- category of people. Yeah, and they're in the game, and you want to keep your players engaged in your game by adding more. But, more but the uh, kind mount. of players I create will be the kind who like two hundred dollars cosmetics. Yeah, but again. The whole point is you want to wear your $20 cosmetic to show off to other players. And you want other people to stay engaged in the game by adding more content. So it's a win-win. So even the people that just walk around town all day with the $500 handbags, it's a win for them to keep other players engaged so they can show off to them. I think they realize they, they can add more raids maybe. They can add more 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 story content, more dungeons. It's, it's a win-win for everybody. Nobody loses. But if they sell like complete pay-to-win content, I can see people feeling unfair about that. But somebody, like, even if I'm at 14 today, there's a guy walking around the game with a, you know, a cashmere shirt, which is a couple million gil in the game. And if you don't have a couple million gil in the game, like, do you just, what do you do? I think, I think the point you, is, upset? you just buck up and deal with it. It will inevitably, inevitably change the nature of the game. So, for example, like, look at the, look how much content we're getting on like Netflix for like $12 a month or whatever. Yeah. The, the PlayStation Store, the PlayStation Now, $60 mm-hmm. a year for all these games. So, I, I do think. We should be getting more and more for less and less. That's, yes, that, that's, what, that's what progress is, development. So I, the, the, the concept that we're going to go backwards by getting l- the same for more and more is just not good. So $200 skins, I think, is going to going to take more money out of us for the same the content. Al- the alternative. The alternative is literally, okay, why are we making PCM RPGs when we can make mobile games make so much more money? That is the alternative. And mobile games, oh, they, there is no sense of fairness in mobile games. There's already $200 skins. There's already $500 items. There's already like thousand dollar bundles in these mobile games. So, so, we just co- so we just copy them? Like that's that's oh, like- no, the point is we get a middle ground where we don't have to spend five hundred dollars for pay to win stuff. We can get skins that do nothing but cosmetics for five hundred, a couple hundred dollars. It's a win win. Then nobody loses. Don't like the people that the people that are complaining about the two hundred dollars skins. They're going to complain even more when the game goes pay to win the way all these mobile games are. The alternative, this the alternative future is much worse than the the future where they get two hundred dollars skins. Or, or we can or a, we pretend like nothing's going to change. Yeah, we can put a stand. We can we can have a stand right here. Or more. There's no stand to make. Didn't, it's, you, didn't you say okay? So over. <laughs> didn't you say you're also okay with them just selling cash in the uh, in-game items and stuff in the store? I said I'm okay with them selling. Uh, they should do a token-like system, like like. Oh, token. Uh, okay, token. I think we're both okay with tokens. Yeah, and, and then you can pay other people to run with with in-game currency. You can pay people to you know run, do runs anyway. So it would inadvertently allow people to pay their way through content. I mean, in WoW, you can pay your way for content as well. Through, if you have enough in-game gold, you can pay, pay big guilds to get you anything you want. So, I mean, we already have a good middle ground. Someone mentioned we don't, we don't have to go extreme. Like, there are already, like, $30, $40 mounts in WoW and Final Fantasy and stuff, right? Sure. So why uh, isn't that yeah. a happy medium? Like, why, why go extreme with these, like, $1,000 items? Because nobody loses. There's no losses. That's why. And then the, the ability to monetize on mobile games is still so much higher than $30 mount. If you buy, you, you buy like, one $30 month mount every, like, every couple months, that's it. The ability to monetize in mobile games is so much higher. And uh, again, I respect companies that do fair monetization. I really think Square Enix monetization on the cash shop is really fair. I, I've played the game for like four years now or three years or something crazy. And I spent maybe like 15, tw- like 20 bucks maximum in the cash shop. That's it. And there's items in the cash shop for $2, $3, $1. There's $1 items in the cash shop. That uh, seems pretty legit to me, pretty fair. And it, I, I, I would take no offense if there's a $1,000 mount. I'm never going to buy it. I would never buy it. 
And I'd probably make fun of people that do buy it, like you. But again, yeah. So it, it just, it just, I, I just don't understand what goes through the minds of people that are like that would that, that would screech about the thousand dollar mount. I, I, I'm yeah. just worried that it's going to become more like the mobile game. So they're, they're kind of trying to avoid. Uh, we can argue whether that's doomed. You know, their their current model is doomed or not. They clearly see it as is you know something they can worth fighting for. It's only money. The skin lasts forever. If only Samurai Yagamoth. The problem is when the game shuts down, the skin's gone too, you know? There's a good... Okay, that's interesting. So I do think there's a role for government to play here. There's an interesting ruling in France uh, this week. They said basically a French court ruled that Steam must make uh, its digital you know, copies uh, mm. resell resellable to other people. Interesting. So what do you think of that? Steam said, no, we, 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 don't, we dispute this. We're going to take it to the next level of courts or whatever. But so what do you what do you say on that? The government literally coming in and saying, if you buy something online, whether it's a skin, a game, whatever, that item must be tradable or resellable. I mean, it clearly seems very pro-consumer, but wouldn't it also lead to like a lot of hacking and people losing their accounts and making things like untenable? I think one of the reasons, you know, Blizzard got rid of the real money auction house in Diablo 2 is because everyone just kept getting hacked. You know, and when your account, when you're yeah. when your goods and your games are locked to your account, it kind of makes it more secure and less incentive to get hacked. But it's a good deal. You know, as a customer, I would love it. You know, why not? So can I start, if I can sell my physical copy? You know, the reason we can sell our physical products or mod our physical products is because of laws. Like, I, remember, I don't know if you guys remember. Oh, what, no, there's always, they, they, they tried to stop that with DRM and stuff, too. And the only reason you could you could sell your physical stuff is because it was they couldn't stop you. Like, that was the only reason you could trade physical CDs and books and DVDs. The companies could stop you. They would, you know? No, they tried. They just tried to make it so you couldn't. No, they put DRM in there. They literally just made it. They they, they did their best to stop you by putting, like, DRM. No, they tried to pass a They tried to get governments to say, because in, in, in the license agreement, it said, you will not resell this. Okay, sure. Could. Yeah, they literally tried to stop you with, like, all tools they had at disposal, including government, which clearly didn't work with the government. So they tried to do it with DRM. Yeah, that's fine. If they want to do that, they want to try that way. But they but, got you with the digital stuff. You know, they, they, it's basically built in DRM, you know? Well, there's a, anyway, my point is, at some point, I think these mobile games are going to force the government to get involved because the amount of extraction they're doing from players is just, is just getting crazier and crazier. But do you think this idea of having digital games uh, resellable or tradable is possible, is, is, like, is doable? Sure. Do you think it's gonna happen actually? Oh, oh is it gonna happen? No, no. Yeah, I, I don't think it's Hopefully gonna happen. In Europe, I think it might happen in Europe because at least the government there is more involved. Well, yeah, they're clearly more involved, and it's interesting because obviously, from the game developer perspective, they don't want that, right? They want to game developers want to make as much money as possible, uh, obviously. But uh, what's really weird too is like, I consider myself a capitalist. Obviously, as a consumer, I want as much as I can as well. But it, it is very interesting the dynamic between customers and game companies. Everybody is very quick to point out like every kind of greedy move a game company will do, right? Like this this move, for example, of course we should be able to trade our digital goods, right? But like we, the customer, want to pay as little as possible. So we get up, we go on Humble Bundle, we buy games for a dollar, we go on G2A, we buy games for $2. And when a game company wants to like make a little bit more money, everyone gets so mad, which, which, which I find a bit, I mean, there's many reasons to be mad and there are justifiable, you know, outrage moments in gaming. But I feel like a lot of gamer outrage seems to be unreasonable from my perspective that makes sense you know obviously we want cheaper games obviously they want more games they want higher prices we meet in the middle you know well, well okay I, I i suspect i could be wrong most people are not against the 60 dollars purchase of a game they're against this endless monetization 
again, the six. The, if you if you adjust for inflation, Altai, the price goes quite a bit higher. But then again, obviously they they reach better kinds of scale as well, and the cost of development should go down over time. But I think has the cost of games actually went up? It has, but actually there was an article by the Take Two guys saying for the first time they're not going to see this like uh, exponential growth in cost when PS Five comes out, when the next generation comes out. Why is that? I mean, I I read, briefly read through. Basically, I don't know. I don't know exactly why, but mm-hmm. I, I guess because the graphics aren't getting that that much better anymore. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, the same. Good. You can only go from two D to three D once. You know, you can't. <laughs> they're not doing four D. Mm-hmm. The billions executives make have gone up as well. Yeah, executive pay definitely has gone up for these game companies. Yeah. Actually, gaming companies have been on a tear. So clearly, they're doing their month. This extra monetization, the the cash up stuff, the DLCs, it's really been working. If you look at the like, if you look at a stock chart for like any of the big gaming companies, except Activision Blizzard, kind of got shot on the last year or two. But all a lot of these Korean, Japanese game companies, they're all done extremely well. So clearly, the monetization is working like really well for them. So maybe this, maybe the scales have swung too far in their direction. Yeah, again, I do suspect some kind of lashback in some form or another at mm-hmm. the monetization. Mm-hmm. I like uh, 18 to 21 in Garage's comment to Altai. Yeah, I'm actually a they, so please... Uh... Respect his gender. All right. Post-game memes? All right, we get some post-game. Let's move on to the post-game. Right, we're on to post-game memes. Right, take care, guys. Thank you for watching for YouTube. And we'll stay put here.